What's up, baddies? Hey, welcome. <laughs> well, well, welcome to day five of a year of war and peace. Uh, I'm Brett. I'm Logan. Well, today we are reading volume one, part one, chapter five. Uh, in this chapter, Anna Pavlovna's soiree finally comes to a close. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Actually, I kind of wanted it to go on a little longer. Don't worry, there'll things be... Were, things were just starting to get a little messy. There will be plenty of soirees to <laughs> oh, come. thank God. Do not worry. We'll, we will spend plenty of time socializing with the with the people of, of Russia. But Anna Pavlovna's soiree comes to a close, and on the way out, Anna Pavlovna finalizes her deal with, with Liza, Liza Bolkonsky, to try and get Anatole, Prince Vasily's rambunctious child married off to uh, princess bolkonsky princess maria un, un, unnamed as of right now as not, unnamed as of right now but yes we'll be Ma- we, princess we know mary her based on my references several references to the character appendix in the back of our book as well as <laughs> as well as the great comet of 1812 the musical yes. where she makes an appearance okay. as princess mary in um in the introduction episode, I said that I wouldn't be able to tell you much about the plot of the novel based on my knowledge of listening to The Great Comet. However, I lied through my teeth. I just, I lied through my teeth there. I thought I wouldn't be able to. And then I like listened to Great Comet the other day. I could, like, I know who everyone is. Like, I know all the characters. So you have a, you have a very detailed knowledge of 60 pages of this book. Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> You have to see how we get Deep there. Deep and intimate. Yeah, well, you have no idea how we get there. That there are a lot of unanswered questions <laughs> to me. Anyway, Anna Pavlovna and Lisa Bolkonsky finalize their their plot to marry Anatole off, and and Liza's on board. No, she is. She's one thing about people with nothing to do is they're going to meddle. Yeah, like. I feel like like Liza Liza's Liza Liza. I think either Liza. Lise? Her nickname is Liza, but then her. I call her Liza. We're we're friends. We'll call her Liza. Yeah. <laughs> um, is I feel like she doesn't. I don't. I feel like her role in the story is to meddle. As of right now, like that's how her character's been set up. Mm. Is that she? She's Andre's wife, who he hates. Kind of. I don't know if he hates her. He's indifferent towards her, which is honestly worse. Yeah. And she's been a part of this plot since the beginning, mm-hmm. unknowing, but she just agrees to it. Yeah. She's just, she just says yes. Yeah. I wonder if it goes back to the, some of like the social currency sort of yeah. thing, you know, like if she does Anna Pavlovna this favor, then Anna she Pavlovna. might be able to, well, Anna Pavlovna it owes It seems her like now. Anna Pavlovna, even though she is not like a, she doesn't own land or it doesn't, I don't know if she's from like a prominent family. I believe she's unmarried. She's unmarried. She has the most social currency, it seems, out of all of these people. Yeah. She's arranging marriages. <laughs> she's, like, her hands are in so many pots right now. I wonder if it's because she knows so many people. Well, yeah. You know? Definitely. Connection, your, connections are, your connections are everything. Truly. Your connections are everything. More, more, than, more than ever. In, in You thought you needed a resume? No, your connections are everything. I was going to say Soviet Russia. We're a little, also getting a little ahead of myself there. I was going to say, we're, we're about 100 years pre-Soviet Russia. Yeah. Princess Apollity is being a little bit of a, a of a rascal here, flirting like flirting with with Liza. He's just a rascal. Period. He's got. He does have Anatole's genes. He's telling stories no one wants to hear. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's flirting with dude. He's killing princesses. it. He's, he's killing it tonight. Like he's just he's here for a good time. He's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> he, he looks. He's ugly. He's telling shitty stories. He's flirting with married women. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like his hot sister, but he's ugly. That's the worst. 
is when your sibling is really good looking and then you just look ugly. Especially if you like look alike. Mm. Oh, I feel for him. I feel bad for him. <laughs> he is flirting with married women, though. I don't know if I can condone that. And Andre doesn't. I, Andre only seems to care that he's kind of in his way of getting into the carriage. Yeah. Because there's there's the great line uh, when they're getting into the carriage. Prince Holiday <laughs> yes. Hol- comes over and it says Prince Hippolyte pretended to help, but all he did was get in the way. Dude, sometimes I feel like that though. If you don't mind, sir, said Prince Andre. <laughs> Oh, the whole scene between the Viscount and uh, Hippolyte. Oh yeah, where he kisses his finger. He kisses his fingertips. (laughs) Very nice. Very nice indeed. Mm -hmm. And very Very French. French. (laughs) The very French comment kills me. What does that even mean, dude? She's very French. Obviously. Liza Volkonsky, Russian princess. Very French. The Viscount also calls Hippolyte out on flirting with Liza. Yeah. In that same, he's like, I didn't miss that little trick of yours. That poor husband. That baby officer who fancies himself a prince regent. I was like, we get a little bit of a look into Andre's like personal psyche in this chapter. And it doesn't seem like he fancies himself a prince regent. No. I don't think he would like that. Honestly. I think that I think that they're just jealous. I think that they're just. I mean, the Viscount's kissing his own fingertips, so <laughs> <laughs> clearly he's he's jealous of something. But we continue on. Pierre and Andre go back to Andre's place. Um, yeah, they do. Yeah, wow, and, wow. And, and hang wow, out. Wow, wow, wow. And uh, Pierre keeps talking about the political debates he was having. Yes, but one thing about Pierre is he's not going to let it go. Dude, he's got a lot to say. He's been abroad for a couple years, <laughs> and he's come back. He's enlightened. He's no. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah, this twenty-year-old. When, when I was in Italy, this twenty-year-old Russian man has has seen the world, and he's dude, bringing he's it back. He's seen the world, and that world is Europe. Peter the Great, more like Pierre the Greater. Come on now, think about it. Yeah, a reference for the Peter the Great fans in the audience. But yeah, they they go back to uh, Andre's apartment, his his house, not apartment. <laughs> <laughs> He's rich. I forgot. Sorry. They go back and they talk about their existential crisis that they're having. Mm -hmm. Pierre doesn't know what he wants to do in life. And Andre doesn't want to be where he is. So he's literally just going to war. Just just to just to experience something new is crazy to me. Like, I think I think that there's definitely something to be said, especially in this chapter and um, kind of like in the aristocracy's discussion of war, where the privilege of going to war as an officer Mm-hmm. Like he's he's going to war to escape being rich, right? Yeah, which is mind blowing. <laughs> like, just I don't know if that's again me reading into Tolstoy's not shortcomings, but uh, what is the word? Like I'm oversights, not like oversight, his blind, but like his, his, yeah, blind his, his own biases and his own experience being written onto the page, and like how he's perceived war happening. Mm-hmm. And just like finding it like a viable solution to being unhappy with where you are in life to become an officer. Dude, I kind of I kind of get them, though. Are you being serious right now? A little. I mean, a little. I, I get the the longing, the longing for something more, more meaningful than the men, stasis. All men yearn for war. A little bit. I think it's. <laughs> <laughs> you ask your boyfriend about the Roman Empire. Mine just yearns for war. Dude, why, what do you think they yearn for in the Roman Empire? That the conquest too. of the Gauls, but I, yeah, I, I think I think it is interesting. But I I think that there is a mix. There's a mix of war as a as an interesting pastime that is very very yes. distant from the experience of these the experiences of these people. 
And like, I think they're, you know, as much as being rich is a privilege and it's never bad to be rich, but I understand the sincere frustration of having anything you want whenever. So I don't understand that because I mean, it's like, I mean, it's like, what do you do with your life? Like, what is like, what are you, what are you getting up? And going through your day yeah, for the purpose I, of, I guess you know what I, I mean? I, I think I, I understand the want for purpose and the want to find a place in the world and the need to just be someone. Like, I very much understand that. And that is a level to which I relate to Andre on. However, I do not relate to lamenting being rich. Right. And I think that I think that, that is, like... Reading reading that from like an outside perspective, I think that's an oversight on Tolstoy's part mm. where this novel obviously is very clearly about the experience of being a Russian aristocrat and viewing the world from that point of view. But part of me almost wishes that there was an interaction with someone who was of a lower social stature. Well, it's a long book. Is there is there any of that? There is a little bit of that. I just I, it's it's and that'll be interesting too. But there is there is a little bit of that in the book because I feel like all of these people have the same view on this war. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever side they support, mm-hmm. they all are kind of looking at this war and being like, you know, what might be interesting being an <laughs> officer, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, this is also. I mean, no one has seen even pictures of war. Right, it is. It is a purely yeah, enough, distant. I, like, I mean, there story. has been war prior. Mm-hmm. You know, people, if not if not them alone, they have you know read these histories, and I mean, even if I, it's just it's very interesting to me. It is. It is very. It is very interesting. And Pierre, the only reason he's not enlisting is because he doesn't want to fight against the greatest man <laughs> in the world. That's awesome. Like, that's awesome. Here's like, you know what he did? Execute 3,000 people for no good reason. But he might be the greatest man in the world. But have you thought about how he was really cool on that bridge with that flag? Mm. Have you thought about how he gave an inspiring speech once? Pierre just really liked the Ridley Scott movie. But he's a big Ridley Scott fan. Pierre really liked when they launched the cannonballs at the the pyramids. He thought that was fact. What are our opinions? Opinions on Napoleon at this point in the book? Opinions on Napoleon Bonaparte? To be fair, like, I really don't have... I have negative opinions on him based on, like, the points that were made at the dinner party. But other than that, like, I don't feel very strongly about him. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that in this book written by a Russian man about Russia in the period leading up to Napoleon's invasion of Russia, one of the first major characters we meet is, like, an ardent Napoleon head. So I was very interested in that as well. And I took... So I Googled. I was so... I was so floored that Tolstoy had written in Pierre to be this, like ardent napoleon head mm-hmm. like he's just he loves napoleon yeah. he's a napoleon fanboy <laughs> and i just thought it was so interesting because like you said he's one of the first like major characters introduced that we know will be present throughout the story based on just cultural knowledge of the book mm-hmm. and so i googled i was like how did tolstoy feel about napoleon <laughs> he hated his guts yeah which is and then pierre's there mm-hmm. and i wonder if that's why he made pierre to be such a confused character. Mm-hmm. To like not know what he wants. And his like love of Napoleon is just another mode through which we are supposed to identify him as a confused and different man. Right, right. Yeah, I think I think the introduction of Pierre is very interesting. And I think what we will see 
is that there will be a lot of change in yeah. a lot of ways. I mean, I like figured, he'll I he'll he'll Tolstoy will will gets his page count worth in terms of I was the experience. I'm, expect, I'm expecting these characters through. to to see some to see some life because right now they don't have a lot of life mm-hmm. lived. But anyway, whose turn is it for a ranking? Oh, that's a good question. I think it's your turn to come up with one because you do the odd ones. Because I, I do the odd ones. You do the that odd is ones. true. I do the odd ones. Okay, so it's chapter five. Okay, who who are our main characters? We have okay, so Prince Andre and Pierre for sure. Then we'll do we'll do we'll do the boys Hippolyte okay. and the Viscount. So Andre, Pierre, Hippolyte, Viscount, the boys, the gentlemen. Who is most likely to check their bags on an airline flight? Like, not bring a carry-on, but, like, check their bags. Even so, like, if they, check everything? Yeah. Just so they don't have to carry anything on? They don't have to on. carry anything on. The Viscount, number one. Yeah, that was, that was what I was going to say, too. The Viscount's number one. I would say Apollo's number two. Really? I think so. He wouldn't carry he, shit think, on. No, I think he'd try he's and power daddy's, through to no, improve No, he's got daddy's credit to card. people. He's got daddy's credit card. Uh... He'd be in the way, though. He needs to be in the way somehow. <laughs> How else are you in the way with, without an excess of baggage? Hopolity would check his bags, and then he would go down to the tarmac and try to help them load his bags on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put Pierre at number three. Mm-hmm. Andre last because it's a form of self, self-harm, forcing himself to carry his bags oh, on. Andre. <laughs> Trying to and trying to get some spice into his life by carrying yeah, bags onto the plane. He's trying to get excited. It's like it's like he's he's carrying his bags on the plane. He's like this is just like the peasants do. I'm carrying my own bags. <laughs> this life is not my tastes. I'm flying to war. <laughs> flying off to I'm flying off to. He has Normandy. a British accent now too. He's in Normandy. Yeah. He's in World War Two. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's a long book. <laughs> Whoa, that's crazy. But uh, my final take, I would say the Viscount, then Hippolyte, then Pierre, then Andre. Okay, I'll accept it. Okay. Thank you. All right, that was chapter five. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.